are very thankful to be able to stay here again and trust that in spite of some temporary weaknesses, the ministry of the word may not suffer. I'm very much attracted, thinking about this opening meeting, by the words of we find in the epistle to the Ephesians, the word access. But upon considering it a bit more carefully, I came to the conclusion that we should have to have a preparation for this access and not start straight off. And there's another word which starts similarly, which is a preparation, acceptable. So I want first of all to take the fact that we who are far off have been made nigh. We who were children of wrath, even as others, are now designated children of God. And all the other implications that we have of a tremendous change that has taken place. You see, unless that is true, it would be a fearful thing to have access into the presence of a holy God. But now we can look forward because we're going to be in Christ and covered by all his acceptableness, and then access will be a joy. So this morning, we'll concentrate our attention upon the acceptable position we have in Christ, and then we look forward to its consummation in that day of glory, when we shall have access into his very presence. Now the passage before us evidently is this one in... um, Ephesians chapter 1 says in um, the uh, first reference would be in chapter 1 verse 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved And when you come to think of those added three words, that's an acceptance indeed, isn't it? Accepted. But how? Well, we cannot come there and present to the Lord our faithful service. For we're very, very, very conscious. It's a very patched robe. We ourselves are unable very many times to distinguish between that which is of faith and that which is of the flesh. I remember when we were singing the hymn uh, just now, uh, where it says, uh, some trust in charity, as as it in the scriptures, and some of works, but we all make mention of the name of the Lord our God. You can't make mention of your charity. And you can't make mention of your works. But you can make mention of that name which is above every name. So here we are, friends, a little company of God's people who rejoice in this fact that we are accepted in the beloved. Now let's give a little more attention to this question of acceptableness in Christ. Uh, When you look at Colossians, a parallel passage. 
Colossians um, excuse me Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 Colossians runs parallel with Ephesians and often a point that's a little bit obscure in the one is developed and explained in the other so this is Colossians chapter 1 13 so here we have the words I go back to verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet well that's very similar to the thought of being made accepted in the beloved I don't know whether you've ever been invited to a home where there's a servant waits at table with a little lace cap and you're very, very conscious. I'm speaking when I was quite a young fellow working at a bench in the leather work being invited by some very kindly, very wealthy uh, folks who took me under their wing and I don't know whether I was an interesting kid or what it was but I know of the qualms I had as I approached this house you know, wondering about the clothes you wear wondering about whether you stand up or sit down wondering what you do with this knife and fork and that spoon but you see we shan't be compromised when we get to glory friends I have not seen nor ear heard, neither had it into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But he has made us fit, he has made us accepted in the beloved. And we shall not feel ashamed then, for we shall be rejoicing in his fullness and covered by his loveliness and accepted in all his grace and justified by his righteousness imputed to us, and stand in that presence unabashed because of his great perfect offering. Well, that takes me back a little bit to the Old Testament where we have this emphasis upon the acceptableness of um, the work of Christ when you speak about it from the sacrificial point of view. Supposing we look at um, one passage only in the Leviticus chapter 22 verse 21 that's going right back of course to the Old Testament types and shadows but these types and shadows are very important because uh, what was that chapter 22 uh, because it's not possible for us in this life to have the things of God expressed to us in just the sheer terms with which they must be known sometime. Even today, if a scientist was standing in this pulpit and speaking about nuclear fission or something, well, we'd have to bring it down to some terms that we understand, otherwise half of it would go over our heads. And so we ask ourselves, what does it mean to be accepted? Well, these Levitical types and shadows, they stress the fact that it's based upon a sacrifice. And that sacrifice, when we come to the New Testament, 
we know is a sacrifice of one and one only, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this passage in Leviticus 22-21, I just read because it gives us this sacrificial basis. I hope I've got the right passage. And whoso offereth the sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a free will offering in beans or sheep, it shall be, now comes the test, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There should be no blemish. There it is. And he goes on to specify. Isn't this a foreshadowing of the work of Christ? And isn't it a rebuke to anybody who thinks that whatever they can do will get them through? No. Either you're accepted in the Beloved or you're outside. And we would have it no other way, would we, friends, when we know what this all means. So there's a sacrificial basis to our acceptance. It costs the Saviour blood and tears. The ignominy of the cross to bring us to God, to clothe us with righteousness, to give us a standing, so that when that day comes, we shall not shrink back from that holiness, but we shall rejoice because we are accepted in the Beloved. So although I was attracted to the word access, going in, I had to stop and say, wait a minute, we can't talk about access until we begin to realise that only accepted ones will be able to enjoy that privilege. Well now let's take again this um, reference to the um, acceptance and access. Suppose we look at um, Ephesians 5.10 just to get some of the passages before us. There are the things we can meditate upon afterwards and get much out of them. It says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So we are not to be indiscriminate. It goes on to suggest how this proving will work. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness unfruitful works of darkness. And then you remember, of course, it could be written, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you have been washed. You are sanctified. You are accepted in the Beloved. And so what would once been an agony of thought to go into that Holy Presence is now something we can look forward to with anticipation and holy joy. All friends, go away this morning with one thought in your heart. Leave other things out for a moment and say, fancy me. I am accepted in the Beloved. And there will be no barrier when the day comes for me to be presented at court. And the court not of a human king or queen, but the court, court of God, holy and beyond our conception. And there'll be one there who'll stand at that throne 
and put out his hand and present us. Present us. And this is another one for whom I died. And he has been washed. He is clean. He has been renewed. He has a new life. He belongs to me for I bought him by my precious blood. And the Father will accept. So we have to be accepted before we can contemplate this access. Let's take it a stage further. Another thing that I think um, ought to be considered is the fact that if we are accepted, we should at least have some sign of it down here by being acceptable. Shall we look at some of the passages which speak about being acceptable? Ephesians 5.10, I think we've had in front of us, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Will you turn the page to Philippians chapter 4, 18. Chapter 4, 18. The apostle is reminding them that in verse 15, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. And then he stops. And I can sympathise with him, for I'm made like that myself. Or he says, don't think I'm spelling and asking for a gift. He says, not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He says, so far as asking you or anybody else, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Friend, have you ever had such a note sent to you? I don't know that I ever have. But what a joy it must be to be conscious that the things, now we don't know what they were, the things that were sent out of love by this church to the Apostle Paul in his distress. He said, it's not only done me a world of good, but acceptable unto him. So, we've merged now the words, we are accepted in the beloved, which should also manifest itself in this being acceptable in our attitude one to another. So, shall we look now at Romans, the 10th chapter, where we get another sidelight on this same thought. It says here, Brother, in my heart's desire and prayer to God, for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. There's no possibility of entering into the presence of God with any acceptable mess of our own. We mustn't emulate Israel who are going about to establish their own righteousness. We have to admit that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what an exchange for our robes of righteousness with their patches and their smears to that robe of righteousness which will shine in the presence of God without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Sometimes when I've seen somebody after the washing day doing the ironing, I think, I wonder why they do all that business of rubbing it out and of hot iron. But here's a little word for me to put me right. Without spot, that's the washing day. Without wrinkle, that's the ironing afterwards. To make it absolutely presentable in the presence of a holy God. And the more you realise the demand that was, must be made, the more impossible it is for us to believe that any one of us could ever make ourselves acceptable. It's a sacrificial term, as we find in the Old Testament, that the acceptableness is based upon the fact that a spotless sacrifice has been accepted on your account, and in him, and in him only, you have the right of access, which is our next thought when we meet together, God willing, another time. In the twelfth chapter of Romans, while we have it open, the first verse, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do notice, not one of us can die as an atoning offering. But we may so live that some of the pressure of the outside world will be a little evidence that we belong to Christ. A living sacrifice is different from a, de- a dying one. Acceptable unto God. Now that's an overwhelming thought, isn't it? That whatever we may do in this life and seek to walk worthy, how poor it may be in the sight of one another and our own selves, the graciousness of God, acceptable unto him. And I suppose the more we dwell upon the fact that we have been made accepted in the Beloved, the more we shall seek by grace to be acceptable in ourselves. But we shall not draw upon ourselves, but we shall find all our strength and encouragement in him. The uh, question of access, I think I would like to leave for another opportunity, rather than crowding it in at the close of a meeting like this. And so I'm praying that we may meditate ourselves upon this question of what is is demanded of us when we go into that holy presence. To thank God that every requirement has been met and to know that we stand there 
not in self, but in Christ. And then, the joy of knowing that we have not only been accepted, but we have access, and we have boldness in that day. Things which I would like to refer to when I get the opportunity of speaking to you another time. If I appear to have cut the meeting a bit short, well, you'll sympathise with me and realise uh, that, um, well, I'm not quite so young as I was many years ago. But I'm very grateful for this opportunity of standing here once more in this chapel of the opened book to testify concerning the centrality of the work of Christ and our perfect acceptance in the Beloved. May the Lord grant unto us, each one of us, a fuller and growing conception of what that must mean. For the more we know of our Saviour's love, the more we shall be encouraged to walk worthy of such a calling.